off and the clock has started. Here we go. Welcome to 20 minutes you'll never get back. Or as Dodd calls it, 20 minutes you'll never, ever, get back. Many have tried, all have failed. <laughs> That's right. You're not getting them back no matter how hard you try. Welcome to episode 125 of 20 Minutes. Again, you'll never get back. My name is Doug Prezak. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your time with me. I appreciate it. And let's see, you know, not much has happened since the last episode, so <laughs> I guess we can just move on. I do have some uh, exciting news. Well, it's exciting, at least for me. Another country has joined the 20 Minutes Download family. A listener in Ornstadt, Aruba, tuned in to last week's episode. Welcome, uh, Aruba. So that brings our uh, download family list of countries to 80. How do you like the 80? Uh, we also had uh, folks from these places tune in last time. Let's see, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, Yokohama, Japan, Fort Bragg, that's a new one. Uh, they're up in the white country in California. And Newcastle-upon-Tyne in England, which I happen to know, is about 46 miles south of the border with Scotland. So welcome to everybody. And if I didn't mention you, I know you're, you're still in my heart. I'm not kidding. <laughs> On to uh, today's scintillating episode. After 124 episodes, I pretty much know what question you have on your minds. That's right. Just how did this episode's topic come to be? <laughs> well, you see, I was out on my uh, morning walk this morning because I have to keep my athletic body in shape. <laughs> I almost read that with a straight face. Anyway, on my walk, I pass a light pole every day. But for some reason, I took a, a note of the pole today. And the fact is it's covered in chewing gum. This route is pretty heavily traveled by high school students on their way to school, and I guess this particular pole must be the point where their gum just gives out. <laughs> None of the other poles in the street have uh, these lovely adornments. Just It's just this particular pole. Now, the poles are all concrete, but I'm telling you, should that concrete ever fail and crumble in on itself, that pole will still be standing. That hardened chewing gum <laughs> encasement will keep the night light shining. So yeah, that got me thinking about chewing gum. And well, because I know you guys were all too busy. I did some research so you didn't have to. Just how did chewing gum come to be? We'll start here. There is evidence that some 9,000 years ago, Northern Europeans were chewing birch bark tar, possibly, possibly for enjoyment, as well as for medicinal purposes, you know, such as relieving toothaches. A 5,000-year-old piece of chewing gum made from birch bark tar with tooth prints in it has been found in Kiriki, Finland. I'm going to just assume it was <laughs> stuck to a light pole. I don't know where they found it. In the Americas, the ancient Mayan people chewed a substance called chicle, which is a uh, sap-like substance from the sapodilla tree. Now, it's assumed they chewed the chicle as a way to quench thirst or fight off hunger. The Aztecs, they also used chicle and had even rules about its social acceptability. Only kids and older women were allowed to chew it in public. Married women and widows could chew it privately to freshen their breath. Men, however, could only chew it in secret to clean their teeth. Men who chewed chicle in public were seen as effeminate, and younger women who indulge in chewing chicle were assumed to be prostitutes. Oh, my <laughs> anyone, 
anyone of adult age who chewed it was considered to be totally vulgar. <laughs> wow. In North America, the indigenous people chewed the sap or resin from a spruce tree. Now, the European settlers who came to America saw the indigenous people chewing the sap and decided, heck, why not? Well, the chewing of the uh, spruce sap uh, continued on for a long time. And then in the 1840s, a guy named John Curtis, he developed the first commercial spruce tree gum by boiling the resin, drying it out, and then cutting it into strips that were coated in cornstarch to prevent it from sticking together. By the early 1850s, Curtis had constructed the world's first chewing gum factory in Portland, Maine. His Maine Pure Spruce Gum, with its natural spruce taste, became enormously popular. Well, as it turned out, spruce resin proved to be less than ideal for producing gum. It didn't taste great and became brittle when chewed. <laughs> Those are some good qualities right there. Curtis and others who jumped into the gum business after him subsequently switched to the ingredients such as paraffin wax and flavoring it with ingredients like sugar, licorice, and vanilla. Curtis maintained a monopoly on the gum industry for decades until a man by the name of Thomas Adams entered the picture. Now, Adams, he was a New Jersey inventor in the 1870s who found himself in the unlikely business partnership with the 11-time Mexican president, General Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. Yeah, that's the same guy from the Alamo. Adams partnered with Lopez during Lopez's exile to Staten Island. Lopez de Santa Ana was determined to return to power again. Adams had been assigned to him as a secretary, and the general tapped Adams to help him in his efforts to vulcanize Chicle. The goal was to make a rubber substitute that could compete with the likes of Goodyear. If he could pull it off, the fallen general hoped the profits would help him finance an army, allowing him to win back the presidency. It didn't work. After a lot of trial and error, Santa Ana gave up on the idea and went back to Mexico. Adams eventually realized that rather than trying to create rubber alternative, he could use the chicle to produce a better type of chewing gum. Before we go any further, how about a brief explanation of chicle? Now, the chicle Adams tried using for rubber comes from the sapodilla trees that grow in the rainforests of southern Mexico and Central America. Workers were known as chicleros, and they would climb up the trees and then cut zigzag patterns into the bark on their way back down. Due to the carving in the bark, the trees would secrete a sort of band-aid of sorts to heal itself. That substance is called chicle. As the natural latex ran down towards the base, it was collected in small pots. Once the pots had filled, the chicle was dried, transported through the forest by rail, and sent off to buyers who needed it. For example, Thomas Adams. And that's your chicle lesson for today. Back to Adams. While he was working out of his kitchen, he boiled the chicle down, dried it, rolled it, and then cut it into sticks and took it to a local drugstore where customers were busy buying Curtis's wax gum. Adams' chicle sticks sold out within hours. By 1871, Adams had patented a machine for making chewing gum sticks. He formed a company that by the late 1880s was making gum sold across the country. Chicle served as the main ingredient in chewing gum until most manufacturers replaced it with synthetic ingredients by the mid-1900s. 
One of Adam's most popular gums was blackjack, which remained popular until the 1970s. Now, as a gum-chewing kid, I thought it was disgusting. I hated licorice then, and I hate it today. But that's just me. If you like licorice, you can sometimes still find blackjack gum at the uh, retro candy stores today. Adams eventually added natural spearmint and tutti fruity flavors. <laughs> I can't believe I just said tutti fruity flavors. And here's something you can toss out at your next social gathering and amaze your friends. In 1888, Thomas Adams chewing gum tutti fruity was the first chewing gum sold from a vending machine. Adams' success uh, obviously generated all kinds of imitators. In 1899, a New York pharmacist by the name of Franklin V. Canning, he introduced dentine gum. He coined the name from dental and hygiene, and he promised his gum would prevent cavities. <laughs> I remember chewing dentine gum. I love cinnamon. Hate licorice. <laughs> One year later, a peppermint-flavored candy-coated gum called Chicklets made it to store shelves. The hard candy coating preserved the gum for longer periods of time. Adams Company eventually bought Chicklets, which became its most beloved brand. And of course, the most in-your-face-everywhere-you-look candy-coated gum is the gumball. Now, legend has it, I can't emphasize legend enough, legend has it that they were invented by a New York grocer who was dissatisfied with the sales of stick gum he watered up a bunch of it and tossed it into a barrel of sugar. But uh, as with all food origin stories, there is absolutely no solid documentation to back this up. <laughs> all right, my gum is all chewed out and it's time for a break. But when we come back, a new player emerges in the chewing gum game. And also, how about some world records from the gum world and a list of truly strange gum flavors? I'll be right back. Don't go away. You're on a diet. You want to eat. Your willpower is getting weaker. Quick, a box of willpower. New Chicklets. Chicklets chewing gum has a flavor coating that helps satisfy you fast. Only six calories each. Six that may give you the willpower to resist hundreds of calories a day. Help win your battle against calories with colorful, delicious new Chicklets flavor coated gum. A box of willpower. Box of willpower, only six calories. I tell you, that's a deal. I don't care what anybody says. That's a deal right there. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, yeah, a new player in town. In the late 1800s, a new name jumped into the gum game, William Wrigley Jr. Chewing gum made William Wrigley Jr. one of the wealthiest men in America. You see, Wrigley started out as a soap salesman in Philadelphia. After moving to Chicago in 1891, he began offering store owners incentives to stock his products, such as free cans of baking powder with every order. When the baking powder proved to be a bigger hit than the soap, Wrigley sold that instead and added in free packs of chewing gum as a promotion. In 1893, he launched two new gum brands, Juicy Fruit and Wrigley's Spearmint. Now, because of all the chewing gum competition, Wrigley decided he'd make his product stand out with some heavy advertising and direct marketing. In 1915, the Wrigley Company kicked off an ad campaign in which it sent free samples of its gum to millions of Americans listed in the phone books. 
Another promotion sent sticks of gum to U.S. children on their second birthday. (laughs) You know, got to be able to chew. The gum makers competition also played a role in the development of bubble gum. Frank Fleer had a gum company who had been making chewing gum since around 1885. But old Frank, he wanted something different than his rivals. He spent years working on a product that could be blown into bubbles. In 1906, he concocted a bubble gum he called Blibber Blubber. (laughs) But it proved to be too sticky. In 1928, a Fleer employee named Walter Dimer finally devised a successful formula for the first commercial bubble gum, and he called it Double Bubble. Double Bubble became an affordable extravagance for families during the Great Depression, and the company added little comics to the packaging in 1930. The gum was so popular, it was even included in the soldiers' rations. Interestingly enough, the product was never patented. Now, I don't want to pop anyone's double bubble bubble here, but uh, here's the sad news. The success of Wrigley's and Adams' Chicle-based chewing gum started taking its toll on those Central American forests. The sapodilla tree can only be harvested once when it's around 20 years old, and each yields only about a kilogram or 2.2 pounds of chicle per tapping, and that only happens every three to four years. A 2009 Smithsonian article noted that poor harvesting methods resulted in the loss of approximately a quarter of the sapodilla trees in Mexico by the 1930s. Faced with a shortage of chicle, the chewing gum manufacturers started switching to synthetic petroleum-derived bases, essentially introducing Americans to the modern-day gums we chew today. Mmm, petroleum-derived bases. (laughs) So there's your brief history of how chewing gum came to be, because I only have 20 minutes, and I have to save the last five minutes for my stupid list. So here we go. What do you say we look at some uh, world gum records? Let's start with the obvious. Just what is the biggest bubble gum bubble? Well, Chad Fell of Winston County in Alabama in the United States is not just anyone who enjoys chewing up a wad of bubble gum. In 2004, he chewed three double bubble gums and blew a bubble that was 50 centimeters and 8 millimeters in diameter. That's 20 inches for those of you in America. Now, if you're thinking about trying to break his record, Chad does offer some interesting tips that could help you. He says, usually the bubble blows up nicely when the weather is hot. (laughs) You should chew the gum for at least 15 minutes before blowing bubbles. (laughs) And you should chew the gum on only one side of the mouth. (laughs) Why? All right, the world record for the most bubblegum bubbles blown in one minute was recorded by Ms. Mary Jovovich from Odessa, Ukraine. In 2015, Mary blew a bubble 16 times in one minute at the annual convention of Health and Wellness Association to spread the awareness of mouth exercises in Odessa City. (laughs) And lastly, the world record for the longest gum wrapper chain in the world belongs to Gary Duschel. Now, I remember back in the uh, 60s, crap, I dated myself again, that you could take a gum wrapper from a stick of gum and you could fold it a certain way and link them together with other wrappers. And so you could make a gum wrapper chain. Now, what started as a childhood determination to have the longest gum wrapper chain in the school has turned into the longest one in the world. 
Gary has been a Guinness World Record holder for the past 25 years and is heading into the next edition with over 106,810 feet of gum wrapper chain. He even has special boxes to store his uh, monstrosity. Now, here's the numbers for it. It's 2.5 million wrappers. It's $105,000 worth of gum. The chain weighs 1,530 pounds or 690 kilograms. He only uses Wrigley wrappers. And so far, it's totaled 42,000 hours of work. How about the relative lengths? Well, his chain is 20.2 miles long or 32.6 kilometers. It's the length of 356 football fields or 534 hockey rinks. It's the equivalent of stacking 73 Empire State buildings on end. If Gary were to lay that thing out, it would take you 7.5 hours to walk the length. And if you climb in your car, it's going to take you 20 minutes to go from end to end at 60 miles an hour. And the good news is, Gary's still working on it. You go, Gary. You keep breaking those records. And lastly, uh, you say you're tired of the spearmint or fruity gum flavor. Well, I have a list for you. First up, bacon gumballs. These, <laughs> these specialties are perfect for anyone who wants to flavor bacon without all those fat calories. <laughs> Yum. Pickle gumballs. Each pack comes with 22 dill-flavored gumballs full of pickle flavor with, of course, less sodium. <laughs> How about meatball bubble gum? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Italian cuisine lovers, you can indulge in a meatball-flavored bubble gum. It's shaped like meatballs for that added touch of realism. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the realism part. <laughs> and for those of you brave, how about wasabi gumballs? It guaranteed not to freshen your breath, <laughs> but it might help you kick that sushi craving, at least until you stop crying. <laughs> Here's one for you: ballpark-flavored gumballs. Now. Honestly, I did not know that a baseball park had any kind of specific taste, but the ballpark flavored gumballs, they have the answer. Hot dogs, peanuts, and beer. All of these flavors are inside a convenient can of gum. <laughs> oh, this one, a spicy ghost pepper gumball. Each piece is coated in cinnamon and the ghost pepper chili powder. Uh, if you ever had a ghost pepper, I have. Okay, let me phrase that. I had a drop of ghost pepper on the end of a toothpick that I put on my tongue and I ran out of the store crying like a little baby. Oh my God, that was so hot. I can't imagine a ghost pepper gumball. And lastly, I hate to admit it, but this one intrigues me. Thanksgiving gumballs. What? There are a few things more comforting <laughs> to an American palate than the delicious taste of a big fork full of turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce. For those of you who love Thanksgiving and want to experience it all year long, the Thanksgiving Gunball Pack is just for you. The packet includes turkey, cranberry, and pumpkin pie varieties. I checked. It's $13.99, and it's currently out of stock at Walmart, but I have, uh, I'm all over that one. I put a little marker to remind myself every day to check <laughs> when it's back in stock. So there you go, the 20-minute history of chewing gum. But first, what have we learned? Well, we learned that the Aztecs took their gum chewing really serious, <laughs> seriously. We learned that for some bizarre reason, blackjack gum remained popular until the 1970s. Yuck. 
And we learn you can forget about all that cooking on Thanksgiving. Just have everyone sit down at the table and pass around a tin of Thanksgiving gumballs. Mmm, can you pass me another cranberry sauce, please? (laughs) And that will do it for this episode number 125. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. And I'll talk to you next time on 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Memo to self, walmart.com, Thanksgiving gumballs. Check every day to see if they're back in stock. (laughs) Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.